The Final Furlong Podcast with Emma Kennedy is proudly brought to you by All About Sunday, the ultimate racehorse ownership experience. Download the app and get involved today. All About Sunday, we love racing. And by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook, the market-leading messenger betting service, providing best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing, plus with the option of instant withdrawals. Visit kalukisportsbook.com to sign up now. And I think it was a good weekend for Kaluki, but we'll look back on the whole weekend in the company of a familiar voice in Lucy Russell-Hughes, first show of 2022. Welcome back, Lucy. Hello, yes. Hi, Emmett. Thanks for having me back. And uh, yeah, good good weekend's racing and let's hope it continues into this year as well. We will have a little bit to talk about, just a little bit <laughs> to talk about, which means it's a perfect weekend, a perfect day even, to debut from the mirror where she has crushed in the racing post naps table by the way crushed <laughs> and daily star sport melissa jones hi emma how are you doing i am good and you have no idea what you're in for but now you're now you're I've on got a lot to live up for i've got to get a, got a lot of, to live up to haven't i well you've got <laughs> are, are you wearing a cravat not quite ah uh, well then straight straight away you've let the team down Dave is Next like, time. what the hell? Every time <laughs> he comes on the pod, he wears a cravat, just like in honor of that jolly up that we all went to and Paddy. Uh, right, well, we talked to Nicky Henderson on Thursday. He was in cracking form. The podcast didn't come out till Friday because I've got a black eye, a swollen hip, um, which is further out of place, and a knee that's completely banjaxed. Uh, which is the Lorna Fowler joke, actually. So, which you will get to hear. You'll get to hear all of that. Uh, you'll also hear Gay Kellaway's thoughts on Robbie Dunn, but you'll also hear from Melissa and Lucy Russell-Hughes. But first of all, the giant clash. There was a warning about first flow. We gave him due mention. Nicky did, as did Rory. Yeah, he ends up getting beaten 19 lengths in the race that he won last year by Shishkin and Anurgamin, who must have been long odds on in many people's minds and possibly even in reality at one point because it just looked as though he's got it jumps the last and it's all over and somehow shishkin gets there it was a thrilling race to watch from start to finish and melissa take it away your impression of the clarence house chase well first of all what an incredible contest test for us all to savor it was it was brilliant wasn't it I mean, in front of the, the fans at Ascot who um, turned out to, to watch it and obviously a lot of excitement in the build-up, like who would win. And Shiskin, obviously, with his Cheltenham Festival form, an argument hasn't been there to meet him yet. But, um, yeah, they, they, they raced and, and they did deliver, didn't they? They produced what we wanted to see. And Nergamin, his, his jumping, the, the pinpoint accuracy of it at the inside. You, in running, everyone, literally everyone, didn't thought that... Um, he he did have Shishkin's measure after a couple of blunders from the uh, the Henderson horse. Obviously, he had that bad stumble, didn't he? And he was just wasn't 100% accurate as his fences. Well, Paul Townend turning the screw on an ergamine up front, and you're looking at him thinking he's got this he's got this in the bag. You, you know Shishkin's going to stay on very well, but um, you did think that obviously with the the proven class of an ergamine and the the race going his way, he would hold sway in the finish, but. It, you know, no one could have really predicted it, could they, at the, the final fence, quite how Shishkin won in the end. No way. Um, I, I don't think for a second they could have, Lucy. And that's what made it 
so fascinating. And actually, I was actually staring at the at racing. What was it? ITV. Uh, going. He's gonna do him. He's gonna do him. And it was that excitement. Like it was a race that you didn't have to have a bet in. But whether you'd back Shishkin or an Ergamine, and in my case, I backed an Ergamine. I was still just thrilled and um, enthralled by this amazing contest. Um, so what was your takeaway from Shishkin beating an Ergamine in the style that he did? Yeah, amazing, wasn't it? And I think it lived up to all its hype, didn't it? The race, um, all the build-up, um, anti-post. But as you said, I, mean, I think this is the race that everyone can savor, whether you were having a bet or not, or um, horse racing um, interests at or not, I think it was just um, a matchup um, that was that lived up to all the the hype and the expectations. And yeah, I think as uh, Melissa pointed out, then I think yeah, Shishkin was very much caught off the the back front with um, an Ergamine's jumping because Paul Townend just stuck to the rail and his jumping was foot perfect more or less the whole way around. And Shishkin was yeah, he was caught off a bit, I think, to start with, and then um, turning turning into the home straight. I think Shishkin was um, obviously. Again, a lift on the back foot, but the way he's powered down the asphalt straight was um, unbelievable. The amount of ground he's made up, yeah, unbelievable. And he's um, he's a real talent. Well, they both are, and, and um, I think it's fair to say they're, they're the new kids on the block in terms of um, chasing sort of novice chasers um, and the talent that they possess. Um, but yeah, I think Siskin, the way he was he was getting yelled every stride, just. Um, really sort of resonates with um, other horses that Henderson's had in the past. You know, Altior, he always looked beat, but somehow um, these champions always seem to put it out of the fire, and I think that's what Jishkin's done here. So, yeah, amazing. So as they now head to Cheltenham, I mean, obviously Nicky's had his say, and he's looking forward to the rematch. One of the things that Nicky managed to get out before I could um, was very much a, a view of mine was that defeat does not preclude you from being able to win at Cheltenham, and Nicky got there first, and I was fascinated that that was his thinking, and he was like, "Just because if we win on Saturday, doesn't guarantee victory in the Champion Chase," and I think that's something that's very important to hammer home, and it's going to probably come up in the Cheltenham preview night, the, el- the endless Cheltenham preview nights of which. We've already had inquiries about many. Can you do this venue? Can you do that venue? Where we don't know which ones we're doing. And Ireland, Ireland is reopened. We're reopened, baby! Yay! Hooray. For how long? I don't know. But we have we we have reopened. So technically speaking, we make could most, make the most of it. Yeah, I know. I was even people were even saying that you know the day Friday night the night the news came out and we're like. This is going to last for two weeks, isn't it? We're going to get the Dublin Racing Festival out of this, and then it's going to be like, yeah, no, back into your homes. Back into your homes. Oh, oh, stay there. Um, please, God, it's all better. But uh, Nicky Henderson is already building up for round two. Uh, Willie Mullins building up for round two. So the first thing to say, Melissa, is that we normally don't get this anymore. Normally, you don't have the first and second favorite for a championship race at Cheltenham. Take each other on before Cheltenham. Can you envisage a scenario in where Energamine turns the tables? Um, Shishkin making the mistakes that he did early on, like as the commentator said, eating grass, that wouldn't be ideal. But 
he's finished with such thunder, he's going to be hard to stop. And Willie Mullins made the point, who knows what's left in the tank. That's it. I mean, the thing with Shishkin is that he's he's been there and done that, hasn't he? And we know how well he can run around Cheltenham. It does suit him. Ideally, obviously, left-handed track. And, he, you know, he, it does suit his style of racing, the fact that he does have that extra extra dimension to his game at the finish. And he, he finishes so strongly up the hill, uh, which, obviously, we're not sure whether Energimene will be, you know, will be as good and can take his Ascot form there. Of course, the team will, will hope that he will because he's clearly top class. And I mean, Energamine's backers will be, you know, if they keep the faith, they'll be hoping that he can turn around the form at, at Cheltenham. Obviously, that the race is on the old course, which can favour front runners sometimes. And obviously, Willie Mullins will have his game plan in in action, won't he? Once again, and I mean, he 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 was a committed to the Clarence House a long way out, so it was always going to be on. Energumin's agenda, uh, and like you say, you know, if Shishkin was didn't turn up, he would have been a, a very good winner from first flow. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's great that we've had we've had the clash before Cheltenham. It is it is really exciting, and I mean, a point to to, to make is obviously Nicky Henderson as is joint leading trainer in in the Champion Chase with his six wins. So, of course, he he's been there and done that as well. Whereas. Obviously, hasn't been the, the greatest race to Willie Mullins at all. So, um, obviously, we we you know, can obviously never write him off because he's he's an absolute master of his craft. But um, I, I honestly think, for all that, yes, Shishkin's amazing around Cheltenham. I still don't think there'll be that much between them at, at Cheltenham. And to be honest, it, it could possibly go either way. It just depends how tactically it it, it works out. But um, I mean, Paul Tannend was pretty much perfect, wasn't he, on on Saturday? So. Mm. It's hard to see, but it's a possibility. What about for you, Lucy? Well, yeah, I think, um, I, I mean, given how short Shishkin is already for the champion chase, I think people are obviously thinking um, he is the horse to, to go with again um, in round two with this matchup with um, an ergamine. But you just wonder how much um, the Ascot race has taken out of Shishkin and an ergamine as well. So it'd be interesting uh, to see. Um, how much that race has possibly taken out of him, but I think the way the manner in which Shishkin's won that race at Ascot in the Clarence House, he would suggest um, he still had a bit left in in reserve. And I think in the the post race interviews with Nicky Henderson, I think without him saying anything about um, Shishkin stepping up and trip, you could just see there was a little um, thought in his mind, possibly in the back of his mind, that this horse um, in time could possibly stretch beyond two miles so oh no yeah oh no <laughs> well, oh no I know. as to your 2.0 <laughs> i know you could just see um henderson had a little thought in his mind but wouldn't dare say anything but there you go i think um you, you can just see can't you in the manner in, in his victory especially last time out because he, he had such a a clash with an ergamy. I don't think Shishkin's ever come up against um, such a, a, a tough rival or a, a tough opposition. So um, he's had to really put it out of the fire last time out. And I think, as I said before, I think that's what real champions do. And hopefully he can um, he can remain, um, you know, fresh and well. And um, hopefully he can put in the same performance um, around Cheltenham. I, I have um, I have every, I, I have no doubts that he he wouldn't. So yeah, I'm, I'm certainly in the Shishkin camp in, in um, going into Cheltenham. From a betting perspective, Melissa, 
Is your is your thought process process now to just hold mad tough, or would you actually would you take a chance on an ergamine? Um, at yeah, eleven possibly. to four. I mean, I, I don't do too many anti post <laughs> wages. What? But I think oh, no, <laughs> no not 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 really, not really. Um, quite conservative in that area, but because um, you know races are hard enough to work out as they are, aren't they? Um, but I, I would, yeah, I suppose if I had to have a bet, I I would chance in Ergamine because, like I said, there's not that much between them. And okay, Shishkin, you know, he is a true champion, but Ergamine's right up there. He's top class as well. And, you know, you only need a different race and a different set of circumstances. And, you know, for example, we know how good Shishkin is at Cheltenham, but if he made it, if he had a stumble or made a mistake like he did at Ascot, could he unseat Nico? There's a potential. Um, whereas, see, Nergi means very fluent and obviously going the other way around. But, um, but yeah, you know, um, Shishkin, he's a true champion and like he finds a way to win, but uh, he's not bomb-proof by any means. I wonder, is there a scenario in where Nergi can sit in behind Shaq and Pursuol? Because the next time we see him will be the Dublin Racing Festival in the Dublin Chase, I believe it's called. Mm-hmm. And he's odds on for that. And you'd be disappointed yeah. if he couldn't win it. You know, it just seems to be trips to Britain take something out of him. So exactly. if, if they then were to actually properly unleash him like they should have last year mm-hmm. at Cheltenham and let him just go from the front, do you then put an ergamine in behind him? So immediately the pace is injected because you can't let Shaqan Persuade get too much of an easy lead. Um and everything else in behind has a big question mark over over them, with the exception maybe of editor De Geet, who is it's a strange thing to say for a forty to one shot with Kaluki Sportsbook. I should say that Anergamine is four to six with Kaluki, and sorry, Anergamine's four to six with Kaluki. Shishkin is four to six with Kaluki. I'm envisaging a world in where I won a load of money at the weekend. I did not. Uh, Shishkin's four to six, and Anergamine's eleven to four. That's too big a price differential in my mind, seeing as they both went into the race mm-hmm. with only a pound difference in the official handicap. And that might be a two pound difference. It might might actually stay the same. They might just both go up to 173, 172 respectively, or 174, 173 respectively. We're recording on Monday, so you're trying to guess what the handicapper will do is a nightmare. But Shaqan Persuad was 176 before Sandown, where he undeniably completely disappointed but that that run can't have been true and he ended up missing Christmas um, mm-hmm. and with the exception of put the kettle on where you're really hanging your hat on her brilliant Cheltenham record there's not a whole lot in there that you'd fear no exactly and I mean that's a possibility isn't it that Shaq and Poussoir could could race that way um, we shall see I mean and Ergamine will then take a toe, wouldn't he? And then, of course, they'd still be going a good pace, but he wouldn't be sort of setting it up so much for, for Shishkin's late charge. Um, yeah, it's fascinating, really, isn't it? I mean, it, it could work out any way, but um, obviously that's what keeps us coming back for more and more. Yeah, because there's going to be... Think... Go on, Lucy. Um, no, 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 I was just going to say that. I think that pace in the, in the Clarence house, I think even Nico said after the race, they just went so fast, didn't they? I mean, just... Well, the pair of them, Energamine and um, Shishkin, and I think Nico said the pace that they went throughout the whole race, there was no let-up. So you just wonder whether that 
that might have been why Susskind did have a couple of errors. Um, he's probably never been put under that much pressure before. So you just wonder how different the, pe- the pace might be a bit slower at, at Cheltenham. Um, just, just, just the fact that it's a lot more of an undulating track, isn't it? You've got the fences on the hill and um, coming down the hill as well. So, yeah, I think that pace last time in the Clarence House was very, very strong. Well, I wonder, does that mean Patrick Mullins gets told, go out there and make it as fast as you possibly can on check Yeah. Nico's giving the game away. <laughs> that, that, oh, no. that little bit of pace uh, just <laughs> made him cause a few blunders. Get out there and make it as fast as you can. I'm sure Rich Ritchie will <laughs> love that. He'll love having a pacemaker uh, at the Jeltenham Festival and Championship race, given that he's talking about rebuilding his team uh, as he's as he's currently talking right now, um, looking ahead to, to Cheltenham. Um, I, I mean, on the on the Nico front, I should should mention. Obviously, you know he's normally a quite a reserve character, but coming back in, he was absolutely buzzing, wasn't he, on Shishkin? And obviously, the crowd and they were in raptures, cheering them both in, and it, you know he was grinning from ear to ear wasn't he so um you know being on top of Shishkin riding him around Ascot just incredible it must have been such a buzz for him as a sportsman and you're right Mm -hmm. he is normally the quiet gentleman but he was given it socks and he deserved to because that was a brilliant ride I mean there was several times where there's at least twice where he could have come off and Mm -hmm. now we would have been going oh Nico but still he could have and somehow he's managed to get the horse up to go and win. So he deserved to. Also, I thought it was a beautiful act of sportsmanship from Paul Downend to reach over and congratulate him straight after the line because it must have been like you've traveled all the way over to the UK. You look set to win a grade one. You've just been chinned in the mayor's race. You look set to win a grade one. And there's those yellow and black silks coming down the outside and they do you. And yet, Townend's first act is to reach out his hand and say, well done. So I, I thought that was very few sports you'll see that in. Golf, maybe. But uh, you certainly won't see it in Formula One. They just kill each other. Um, so Nurkameen <laughs> uh, and Shishkin round two will be fascinating, but definitely the advantages with Shishkin. The other thing to say is maybe that was 4D chess from Nico de Boinville. Oh, yeah, that pace caused mistakes to be made. Oh, <laughs> you fools. And he'll make it faster for us. Because if he does get more pace, maybe he wins by further. Um, it'll be thrilling to watch. And, um, of course, we'll be building up to it here on the Final Forum podcast all of the way. Uh, a very brief one on Alaho, because this shouldn't take too long, I don't think. Um, Alaho is favourite for the Ryanair. Uh, actually, I haven't checked what price he is now. I'm assuming... He's 11 to 10? Really? I would take that. 11 to 10, that seems like a better investment than Bitcoin, quite frankly. Um, so Alaho has won this race for the second year in a row. He has put away Fakir Duderi and put away uh, the 162-rated notebook. Uh, Lucy, he made it look really easy, and that's a perfect warm-up for Cheltenham. Yeah, fantastic. I think what's what's fantastic about this horse is his jumping. I mean, the, um, the amount of strides he takes off before the fence is just, breathtaking I think he um but then he doesn't seem to um lack any pace with it either because sometimes when you when you spend that time in the air you're on the back foot but he just he's just very graceful isn't he over his fences um yeah superb superb win again and as you said he's um pretty much a very short price for to take the Rhino again next year and, and I think he looks a gold cup horse in the making this horse um 
as I said, yeah, he just he just very smooth, isn't he? Without um, without coming under any pressure, and I think his jumping superb, and he travels well. Yeah, he he looks um, every bit uh, another Ryanair winner for me next year. So uh, this year, sorry. So and um, yeah, as I said, looking to the future, I, I'd like to see him sort of um, uh, perhaps Cheltenham Gold Cup. Um, Hall. I mean, he is entered in this year's race, but anyway, let's not get too carried away. But yeah, yeah he's, uh, that ain't gonna happen. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it would. Anyway, uh, I know that the I know Chiefly Park are, are very keen on winning a Gold Cup, and that was that was the talk about Envoyelan was that oh, that's what he'll be. He'll be a Gold Cup horse. Yeah, and in the end, I'm proven yeah. right. Just that it didn't serve my pockets anyway good because he didn't run in the bloody Oracle when he should have. Uh, but anyway, we live and learn. Um, he, yeah, Alaho, he's an even interesting one as well. But Alaho is definitely the one who's, who's crept up on, on them. And he's a superstar. Uh, he was devastating at Cheltenham last year. And mm. there's no reason to think that he won't continue to improve. Like, he was... Put in his place by Shakan Porcival over two miles at the Punchestown Festival. And I know that we say, you know, Punchestown, you can kind of take with a grain of salt. Um, you can use it to your advantage, but at the same time, you can kind of, you know, eh, it's Punchestown. Um, but this trip right now is ideal for him. But for next season, I could very easily see him taking a trip over to Kempton for the King George and then building up to the Gold Cup, possibly. Not necessarily how Willie does things, but I could see that happening for sure. Um, but right now, I don't see anything that can topple them, Melissa, in the Reiner. No, and you only have to look at last year's performance, don't you? He had them all strung out across Cheltenham in that race. It was it was a sparkling performance. He just has this ability to to totally like ground out, ground out victory from the front and I think the gallop he goes, it's it's relentless, isn't it, really? I mean, Connections hoped that he would be a Gold Cup horse originally. Uh, he used to run, didn't he, over longer trips? And then, mm. see, of course, he, he, he stepped back in trip to the to two and a half and slightly further at, at Cheltenham. But and actually, last year's Ryanair win, he, he was wearing the first time tongue tie, which he, has obviously been retained since. And that, I mean, that's uh, whether that's key to his improvement I'm not sure I mean he's always been a very classy horse but that Ryanair win and, and subsequently is um he, he's been brilliant hasn't he and see the 12 lengths last year than that he won at Cheltenham it's hard not to see him winning again he, he should do he's he's eight isn't he now so so coming to the peak of his powers and you look at the the market for for the Ryanair and you you think well what's actually his sort of main rival I mean Energy means second favourite more or less and see champion chase bound you would 90% 99% say uh, St. Calvados is in there Shamblu, Asterian Falange. I mean they're they're all not the same as Alaho are they he's been mm. there he's done that and he's in tremendous form clearly and um, he, yeah he's just a he's just a joy to watch isn't he when he he sets about his business and you know Fakir Dujari he just struggled after that first mistake Ooh. yesterday and you know obviously the, the tumble for battle over Doyen glad to, to see him get to his feet but you know Alaho has that has that characteristic where he just puts his rivals under pressure doesn't he and you know he forces them into making mistakes almost and he's very, he's deadly around Cheltenham yeah he wins 
basically. <laughs> those those of you who took the advice and got the nine to four, gravy, gravy all day long. Uh, Ralph Pagai, I did say on Talksport on Friday, I can see traders panicking as floods of money just comes in for Venetia Williams, Royal Pagai, because at Linkfield she was tearing it up, tearing it up. Soft ground, Haydock, it's just going to really suit. Uh, he ends up just holding on from Sam Brown. Remastered my selection on the pod. Oh, dear. I'm not sure David Pipe's horses are in tremendous form at the moment. I think that... Uh, I know he's had a winner here and there, but there's a lot of his horses are being beaten a long, long way. Uh, he'll have it fixed for Shelton, have no fear. But Rob Pagai records back-to-back victories in the Peter Marsh Handicap Chase. Uh, not as impressive as he was last year, Lucy, um, when he was devastatingly impressive, winning by 16 lengths. But then again, our thought process was, well, he's beaten trees there. Uh, was this a better renewal, and were you more impressed by his performance here? Yeah, I was more impressed given the fact that the weight he had to carry, um, it, was a, it was a really good, weight carrying performance I thought in the Peter Marsh this time although having said that he was I'm pretty sure he was top weight in last year's race as well but as you said the horses in behind him on this occasion perhaps were um, at a better level I mean Sam Brown has has run a tremendous race back in second and I actually thought he, he had a really strong chance going into the race and he was a very big big price um, eight to one um, yeah he's considering a horse that doesn't run too often I thought Sam Brown gave a very very good running but yeah Take nothing away from the winner, um, Venetia Williams and Charlie Deutsch. They're just teaming up, aren't they, with these Saturday winners? They're doing mm-hmm. so well, so well this season. I think they're a great partnership. Um, and uh, as you said, Venetia's horses um, love the mud. And yeah, this horse is a, is a real improver, isn't he? Since she, since he's um, joined her stable, he's just done done nothing but um, run well for for connections. And I think. Even the fact that she pitched him into the Gold Cup last year, I thought that was a very, very brave shout. So, um, speaks volumes of the horse, and he's just—he's—he's um, he's what you want, isn't he? In a, in a racehorse, he's—he's um, he's tough, um, and he's—he's he's not got much size about him. But I think he—he he always runs a true race, and I think that's—that's um, that's what you want in a racehorse, isn't it? So, um, yeah, great, great weight carrying performance, great ride, um, and great win all round. Second, a third, and two winners from her team at Linkfield on Friday for the start of the Winter Million Series. And on Saturday, a second, a winner, and tailed off. But she's in just electric form right now. And um, I, I don't want her to be... There is something about... We, we talked about this on TalkSport as well, that her horses excel in the mud. I think that's more to do with the conditioning of the horses, Melissa. It's not just that they're she's off acquiring mudlarks. I think that her horses are so because she's won so many races at the Cheltenham Festival, um, when the ground is good to soft, good at times, um, that uh she just has this way of conditioning her horses that they're able to cope with it. That being said, while he was a tailed off sixth in the Gold Cup last year, if we were to end up in some scenario where the mud is flying in the Gold Cup. Does he come into the picture for you? I mean, possibly. Last year, things didn't really go to to plan for him, did they? Unfortunately, he um, had to get the horse ambulance, unfortunately, from the the paddock because 
um, he obviously had a foot injury That's and right. it was quite yeah quite a serious one and took him to the stable yard and thankfully subsequently recovered and, and has come back to to perform at such a good level at Haydock at, at the weekend and the, the horses that filled the places there are higher rated than, than last year and it did look a, a deeper renewal um, and like you say Emma Venetia's horses are absolutely flying at the moment and I mean Charlie Deutsch has He's been absolutely excellent, hasn't he, this season? And you, you watch him in in races, and tactically, he's absolutely superb. And um, there was one on at Lingfield called Frero Bamboo, and uh, the horse it's not, not not the biggest, as um, racing fans will will know. And it, he he rode the horse with absolute confidence from the back of the field. It got close into a couple of early fences, and he then crept round on, on the bend just to make sure he wasn't getting too far away from the leaders and he just knows exactly where he's got to be at every point in the race and he, he's really he's really excellent this season I mean he's always been a very talented jockey but I think this season he's really started to hit the heights and riding with so much confidence is is what you want to see it isn't it as, as a jockey and I mean Royal Pagai if he does go to the Gold Cup again you'd expect him to to run at a decent race but of course um Obviously, going to bump into the the more classy classy rivals, and obviously touching on Alaho as previously mentioned. I mean, I would like to see him go to the Gold Cup, but um, but you know, it's always a sort of stamina stamina issue, isn't it? And I, I don't think he'd quite see it out, but it'd be nice to see him have a go, and because uh, he is he's got the rating to to go close in it. But um, I mean, if he was mine, <laughs> dreams <laughs> don't happen like that. But he, he, uh, he, you know, he would he would go for it if it, he, he was. Running, running the Jones colours. <laughs> hey, you never know. You might, you might get one. Maybe you'll get involved in All About Sunday and uh, this horse that we have, who's a sister to Denman by Saint de Saint, uh, will absolutely start tearing it up, and we can have Gold Cup aspirations and dreams. Then you never know. That could be the way to do it. Um, you got a dream. You got a dream. If listen, if you're not dreaming, what's the point? What is the point? Uh, speaking of the Gold Cup, of course, Nicky Anderson gave us. His Gold Cup pick. In fact, he gave us his. I asked him for a horse for Cheltenham that we're not all, that not everybody's talking about. And he said, Well, I think half the reason that Champ is going to run in the Stairs Hurdle is because JP also owns. Hmm? Anybody want to get in? No? No. Chantry has. Oh. And when I said, so would you just like draw a line under Kempton then? He goes, no, 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 no. ignore the King George, ignore the King George. Kempton's Kempton, Cheltenham is Cheltenham. That should be a line for every Cheltenham preview from here unto eternity. Um, yeah, the Gold Cup is a bit of a mess. Like, there's no question about the proven class of a Plutard. Um, and no reason why he couldn't go one better than last year. Galvin is obviously after throwing himself into the mix with a close run against Frodon, and then he's beaten a Plutard. Uh, but Henry's horses, that comes with a caveat, Henry's horses weren't running very well at the time. Manila Indo, he needs to show us something, um, but we know he has the class. Uh, album photo, yeah, all right. All right, Ruby, keep on talking, that talk. Um, whatever. Don't think so. Uh, Tornado Flyer is fascinating. And Protectorat needs the mud to fly. So if you want to go with the Asterian Falange, 
from the Lorna Fowler Academy. Uh, theory that if he stands up, he'll win. Or if you want to keep the faith with Chantry House, I won't talk you out of it. But it's um, it's definitely fascinating. Uh, one horse that won't be going there uh, is uh, Yal Enki. And we'll just talk about him briefly because it's probably going to be Grand National, I would think, again for him. Um, but there does need to be a situation where by the time this race comes around next year, if Yala Enki is still in training, or whether he, he is or not, there needs to be a Yala Enki statue at Taunton for the Portman Cup. He's won it three times now. Uh, 2020, 2021, and this year, 2022. All under Brandy Frost, who we'll be talking about a little bit later on. And in the end, he's won it really easily. Uh, again, a bit of a concern about David Pug because Ramses did say yeah, was beaten way too far. Uh, 40 lengths is just... That's not him. Um, but Yalenki loves Taunton, and uh, this is officially his best ever season, which is quite extraordinary, Melissa. It is, isn't it? And what, what a sight to behold him running around Taunton yet again to uh, retain his unbeaten record around there. No, it's, it's, it's great to see. And I mean, he's had 48 races now. He's won 13 of them and been placed in a further 14. I mean, what a record, considering the, the type of races he runs in. He's, he's earned nearly £450,000 in prize money. He's taken connections to all sorts of the big staying races, hasn't he? They've dined at the top table with him. He's running the Grand National. He's run at the Cheltenham Festival. And, of course, this season, he's, he's had a bit of a lighter campaign, hasn't he? He's just had the two runs, and both of those have been winners. Both of those have been wins, sorry. So it's been... It's been good to see, and I think obviously now he's a little bit older. He's twelve, and um, he's he's racked up a good fair few miles over the years. Connections are that you know their patient approach is is paying off more, isn't it this season? And yeah, Taunton, he absolutely loves the place, and obviously with Bryony being local, it's a it's a good one for fans to to see and cheer in. Yeah, clearly meant a lot to her as well, and obviously the fans would have been going nuts. Um, I presume it tilts at the Grand National is next, Lucy. Yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? And he's such a solid jumper. I think he's only had that one try in the Grand National and obviously unseated riders. So you could say very unlucky. Um, and what he's done this season, you'd think he's in tremendous form given his age as well. As we said, he's 12 years old now. Um, three Portman cuts and he looks, um, yeah, full of life, doesn't he? So if he was to go to the Grand National this year again, you'd um, you'd like to think he had every chance, given the fact that um, I thought he was a bit unlucky on his uh, one try because what he is is a solid jumper, um, solid galloper, and Bryony gets on very very well with with these types of horses. And she she led from the front, didn't she, in the uh, Portman Cup at, at the weekend, and um, yeah, made every yard of the running and um, tremendous to see to see both of them um, winning in, in that fashion. Yeah, how he won on good ground. Still makes me go, huh? <laughs> because everything we knew about him was this fella needs it soft or heavy. But that victory at Cheltenham was fantastic. And um, Taunton, I thought, was was terrific as well. And you just knew it was in the bag. You just knew kind of two out, three out. He's got this. You don't get too many, do you? You don't get too many reaching the veteran stage. And then from going from racing on heavy and soft to then good to soft and good and, well said. and looking better than ever you know he, he, obviously his ratings 
a little bit shy of, of what it was, but he's he's just very, very solid horse, isn't he? It's a rarity. Yeah. It's a rarity. Whatever Paul Nichols has been doing, um, it's it's clearly paying off. So, no, well done to him. And uh, that's taking nothing away from Venetia. A horse that is half his age and has a very bright future is John Bond. Uh, so Nicky was talking about how he wanted to get a run into him just to make his own life easier because he's a very buzzy horse in the morning and just wind him down and then build him back up for March when he would meet Constitution Hill. Uh, there will be no change. These two are going to take each other on. Unless, as Roy DeLarge said, Constitution Hill gets bought. Now Michael Buckley has deep, deep, deep pockets. So you need to pay a lot of money. And Michael Buckley has his Constitution Hill backed at 33 to 1 to win the Supreme. And we ain't talking about a tenor. So he's not going anywhere. He's saying right for the Supreme, and so is John Bond. Uh, the question is, Melissa, how impressed were you with John Bond's performance at Haydock? Uh, this time winning by three lengths. And how much... Did this improve his credentials for the Supreme Novices Hurdle or did it make you question them a little bit? I didn't see too much wrong with it personally. I mean, he did get quite a lot of uh, critics coming out of the woodwork, didn't he, and saying that you know he's not going to beat Constitution Hill or or any of the other um, top horses for that matter, you know, the William Mellons, Dysart, Dynamo. Um, it was so impressive in Ireland. But, um, but John Bond... It was it was a good performance. Um, it, he you know he quickened once in the straight, and then they they seemed to quicken again. And th- there was that scary, slightly scary moment for for um, his supporters who just taken the shortest short odds that uh, when he jumped into the back of a rival, didn't he up the straight? Um, a few nervy moments there. Um, but he, he then he did he he put the race to bed and and came away at the finish. And so I mean it's only a trial, isn't it? And I don't think, like I said, it didn't sort of dampen my enthusiasm too much for, for Cheltenham and, you know, I couldn't crab him too much. And the one point, important point to note is he did seem to have settled a bit better before the race as well because he's quite a bit of a buzzy horse, isn't he? He lives on his nerves a little bit. And uh, that was good to see. So, yeah, onwards and upwards to, to Cheltenham. And, um, no, for me, he didn't really uh, do anything to sort of dampen the enthusiasm on the Cheltenham front. I agree. Uh, and Haydock is a sharp two-mile track as well. It's quite interesting, Lucy, how we get so obsessed with stylish winners, you know, horses who pull clear of Gino de Bell, uh, as in the um, Willie Mullins horse, or uh, Constitution Hill, who's been devastatingly impressive, like freakish in what he's done so far. Yeah, John Bond had looked very good, this then becomes hard work. Um, he never shirked the issue. He never looked for a second like he was going to down tools. He toughed it out, and he was very fluent when he needed to be, and yet he ends up being pushed out in the betting. Mm. As you say, I think people want him to, to win by double uh, double lengths, didn't they? I think uh, double-figure lengths. I think that's that's... That's what you um, were sort of saying there, Emmett, and I agree with you because, yeah, he's won by three lengths, but he's had to get um, he had to get a bit tough with him, Aidan Coleman, hasn't he? Mm. And um, 
I think, to be honest, I think Brian Hughes was quite clever on um, what was the horse behind Richmond Lake. Yeah. He's certainly no mug. That, that horse is certainly no mug. I'm quite surprised he went off at 12 to 1. But anyway, I think, yeah, as you say, people are probably more blown away by what Constitution Hill has done just in the manner of um, his victories. But I think John Bond has, again, pulled it out of the fire. He's had to um, he's had to sort of dig, dig deep for the victory. And I think that shows um, um, his tenacious attitude. And I think he's um, still retains all the ability um, going, going, looking ahead to Cheltenham. And I think, if anything, it's enhanced his credentials because he's, he's proved he can win around Haydock, whereas he's won around Newbury, Ascot. To me, that strikes um, a lot more versatility going into a, a race um, at the Cheltenham Festival. I think that does strike a lot more versatility to me. Um, whereas if you're looking at Constitution Hill, only, he's only raced around Sandown twice, albeit um, winning very well and winning by a big margin. But um, you just question how much versatility is there, whereas John Bond, to me, um, looks, yeah, more versatile um, and perhaps stronger opposition, but we'll we'll see. Are people using Maitai as a direct line of collateral form because for one the ground was tacky two might I had to concede weight to Constitution Hill last time out and uh, also uh, John Bond has to concede weight to might I here so that doesn't work you can't just go oh, Constitution Hill buried might I yeah that's, it doesn't that's why we're at nine to two, last time, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't translate. Like he's he's beaten him by fourteen lengths on his first start of hurdles, and then he's gone through the mud himself at Sandown. Um, now Constitution Hill is not going to have another run. He goes straight mm. to Cheltenham. Um, Nikki said, "A, I can't find a race for him." Pretty sure you can, Nikki. But okay, you're good enough to come <laughs> on the show, so we won't hammer you. Uh, and B, he doesn't want him to run in a small field race where he'll learn nothing. And who's going to want to take him on? I it, think he's more risky. I think he's more risky, if anything, going to Cheltenham. Oh, like that. Talk to me. I don't know. No, if you're if you're saying obviously we're not going to see him again, um, and and obviously we're we're just going to have to bet on him, but based on what he's shown us around Sandown, I think. Possibly, I know he's he's won by by miles, but it's a bit of a risk. I think John Bond has shown us a lot more. I think I think especially because he's giving weight away in that Haydock race as well. I think John Bond has shown us a lot more, um, arguably, but remains to be seen, doesn't it? I think he's a bit more risky, Constitution Hill. Melissa, yeah, I'd be inclined to agree personally. I mean, um, Constitution Hill, he was. He showed incredible power, didn't he, up the straight at Sandown to pull away from the field. But like you say, that's Sandown and, and this is Cheltenham and completely different track, albeit obviously a stiff uphill finish. And, you know, I, I guess it's sort of, you know, it's, it just suit gallopers and things. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I wouldn't be sort of taking a short price about Constitution Hill. I'd... Um, I'd be more interested in the Irish uh, contingent, to be honest, for for the Supreme. So, um, yes. Melissa, who are you I'm, more uh, interested in? Well, I, I like Sir Gerard. I've always been a, a big fan of him. I mean, I hope he does go to the Supreme. Obviously, adds a bit of a bit more spice to what is already a 
a, a really intriguing contest. Of course, we've got the other Mullins horse now, haven't we? The, the Dyset Dynamo was uh, imperious in victory last time. But um, I was really impressed with Sir Gerard. I know I've seen long, long odds on on debut over hurdles, but you know, he, when he got in tight to one, he, he knew his way over it. And um, he, I, I thought it was a, quite an assured performance for a, a debut over hurdles. So, uh, and of course, he's been there and done it and at the festival. So, yeah, he'd be the one for me at the moment, um, especially at the prices as well. Uh, Constitution Hill's very short, isn't he, anti-post? And, um, you know, he's one on one with plenty of give in the ground. Of course, we, it's too early to say how, how it's all going to pan out going wise, of course. But, uh, but yeah, you, you've got so many things to factor in. And at the prices, he, he is he is too short. And to Gerard, he's, he's top class and he's... he's He's you know he's around seven to one, isn't he, with with the firms and mm-hmm. yeah, he'd be the one at this stage. Yep, Kaluki will give you seven to one if you contact them right now. Um, <laughs> out of interest, are you a Liverpool fan? Me? Hmm. No, <laughs> but yeah, I see a case there. No, well, you see, not. you're calling him Sir Gerard, and it's Sir Gerard. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so just like... Gerard, are you a Villa fan? Gerard, yeah. What am I on about? <laughs> You Villa fan? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> to there should be a horse. there should be a horse called Sir Gerard, shouldn't there? Maybe well, this, there maybe we just rename him. Maybe like maybe someone said, "Oh, is this horse named Sir Gerard after Sir whatever of, of the eighteen hundreds?" Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, when actually Chivy <laughs> Park really wanted to name him Sir Gerard um, because of the, I just like making it up as I go along the iconic number eight ah why not I mean, don't, don't we all do that um, uh, Lucy for you who's your pick and I'm, by the way I should point out that uh, Willie Mullins has given the proper Willie Mullins Cheltenham treatment for Sir Gerard uh, with entries in the Supreme Ballymore and the Potato Race there's no hope in hell of him running in the Potato Race not a hope in hell that he'll go there. But you give him an L entry anyway. It's only money. Who cares? Um, yet he only has one entry for the Dublin Racing Festival, and that is over two miles. So he will prep for the Supreme. Yeah, um, uh, Dyson, Ah, oh, You're in my camp. You're in my no, camp, no, no. Lucy. I, I, no, what I was going to say about him was that I, I would like to see him again before. Oh, no, before. Lucy. No. <laughs> Um, but if we don't if we don't see him, I just think we've seen more of John Bond than any anything else in the field. Um, yeah, so possibly in the John Bond camp. But if we see Dice at Dynamo again, then yeah, I'd like to uh, see what see what he do, he does. It was good there. to see um, John Bond run again, wasn't it? I mean, Nicky sent him up there to to have another run ahead of Cheltenham. I mean, I mean it, for a horse like him, who's a bit edgy beforehand it can do him no harm can it he just wants the, the more experience and yeah it, it definitely strengthens his case in my opinion I think I'd rather back John Bond than Constitution Hill quite frankly if it came down to, to that if it was just that simple I'd take John Bond who's now got everything done and goes yeah. there whereas Constitution Hill as you both pointed out it all of his form is at sending no crabbing Sandown. I love Sandown. It's one of my favorite race courses in the world. But I'd rather take John Bond, who's proven that he can fight and proven yeah. that if things go wrong, he'll figure out a way 
he'll work with the jockey to be able to go and get it done and win. Yeah. Whereas you can't be 100% certain that it's going to be all sweetness and light for Constitution Hill. Maybe he turns up to the Supreme Novice's Hurdle and wins by 50 lengths. Maybe he does. Yeah. Maybe he's that good. But maybe when things get tough, he's not going to have the requirement. Also, he's five. John Bond is six. So he's a year. If you think of that, he's he's that's an extra year of him being physically stronger. Same applies with Dicer Dynamo. Sir Garrett's seven. Actually, I think the record for seven-year-olds in the Supreme is pretty bad. Paul, Paul Ferguson. <laughs> Paul Ferguson will sort that one out first. Don't worry, though. Don't worry. Uh, Melissa, it's all good. Uh, Jerry Columba uh, comes along and wins. So this was my pick over Christmas for the potato race after he won at Down Royal. Um, runs on runs at Thurless on uh, yielding ground over two miles seven and you would imagine that it would be the ideal race for him, Lucy. Yeah. Um, Jerry Fallon. Well, he, he he was workmanlike, wasn't he, I thought? Especially mm. given given the fact that he was, went off at such a short price. Um, I just thought the manner of his victory, yeah, was uh, was a bit workmanlike. Um, I mean, he sat third, didn't he, all, all the way around? And there was, I think there was one error um, the second time in the home straight where um, Jack Kennedy sort of had to um, uh, sit sit a bit tight because I think he got close to one of the hurdles. But um, apart from that, and then obviously in the home straight, he was um, yeah pressing for the, pressing for the lead. I thought he was a bit a bit far back, and his manner in his victory was um, workmanlike. But I mean, he's he's won, hasn't he? At the end of the day, and, and that's the most important thing. Um, I think to me, he just looks like he's just he's just very very relaxed and just um, it's quite a good thing to have in a racehorse, I suppose. But um, people will probably be just a bit disappointed the fact that um, he didn't win by uh, too far, given the fact that um, the horses in behind him were quite questionable in terms of their form as well. So yeah, I just think he's he perhaps is a very very relaxed individual, and that's how he races. So. Um, that's all I've got to say on him, I think. I think Churchstone Warrior is decent. And I was surprised he got beaten at, at Cork. Um, and you know, since then, he's been beaten by Jinto, who I think wins the Ballymore, quite frankly. Um, and he's, what, seven and a half lengths behind Jerry Gollum here. Uh, but you look at the, the market for the Albert Bartlett and Gordon Elliott, God, it's frightening the talent he's got coming through. Jinto, Hollow Games, Jerry Colomb, uh, Manila Crooner, and it's dominated by Irish horses as well, which we'll dig a little bit deeper into before we wrap up. But um, what did you think of the race, Melissa? And is he a horse that is now on your shortlist for Shelton, or were you like, no, I can forget him anyway? No, he he, he did impress me. Um, he's, he's the type of horse, isn't he, that probably will be suited by the, the tests of the Albert Bartlett. I've seen uh, Manella Rindo being a, a past winner of the race recently. And uh, you need a horse that's going to like grind it out, don't you? a really tough com- campaigner. And he does race a little bit behind the bridle at times. I mean, Jack Kennedy was stoking him up, wasn't he? A, a three out. And um, he, he finds plenty. And, you know, you can't crab his his record. He's see, I'm beaten now in, in, in five starts as, 
including a point to point. So, you know, his records there to, to, to be, um, to be, um, to, for another horse to, to, to defeat him, isn't it? And like I said, he, he does race a little bit lazily. Um, he looks the type that really appreciate the Albert Bartlett test and he does want the, the maximum trip and connections are saying afterwards he, he did win in, in spite of the track. So, mm. um, you know, clearly they, they think he, he will be suited to the test of the Albert Bartlett and, um, yeah, he does look quite an interesting horse in, in the anti-post markets at the moment, doesn't he? I mean, he's still a fair price at this stage. Um, you know, obviously with the defection of blazing Cal, unfortunately he, He'd done nothing wrong, had he, in his starts this season. He'd been really good. So, um, yeah, there's plenty of value around in the Albert Bartlett if you, you're willing to uh, commit at this stage. Uh, 100%. I would personally be in the hollow games camp, but, um, yeah, I'd probably want to see a little bit more. Uh, 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 whoa, there. Whoa, Nelly. Uh, Eric Bloodaxe for me is my pick in the... Albert Bartlett, there we go. I almost, I almost went Colors the nailed the man. <laughs> Co- done. Colors nailed firmly. Uh, Tommy's Oscar wins, as as he should have, really, beating Global Citizen in the new one. Lovely that the new one is remembered. Um, Unibet Hurdle, grade two. Uh, at Haydock, it was soft ground, and it would have been disappointing if he hadn't won the race, Lucy. Yeah, I think I think you're right there. This is this is a very very progressive horse. Um, has just gone from strength to strength, and if you look at the the opposition that he was up against um, at the weekend, he he had every right to go off the price that he did. And um, I think the front two went off um, a blistering pace, didn't they? I think Brian Hughes tried to steal it from the front um, on Navajo Pass, and um, given he he'd already had a victory on the on the card, he's probably in. Um, in a very confident mood. So he, he tried to steal it from the front, but in the end, I think the race has just been set up very, very well for Tommy's Oscar. And um, great for the, these connections and Hamilton um, to have a horse like this in their stable. I think they're just, they're sort of part-time horse trainers, part-time um, sheep farmers from the North. So they're, they're Northumberland, I think. So yeah, fantastic for these sort, sort of smaller um, yards to have a horse like this in their yard, but but what he has done is is progressed because he he's gone on. He started in sort of class four maiden hurdles, and he's just progressed um, all through last season. Um, so I think he finished third in in a in a graded race um, over hurdles yeah. at Air, and now he's obviously um, well in the uh, champion hurdle pictures. So fantastic. Um, for connections and, and great for Danny McMenamin as well because he, he um, not so long ago had an injury and I know he's been working really really hard to get back and, and now looking looking um, stronger than ever and um, he, he's a real hard working jockey as well he's obviously had a lot of success in the past with Brian Ellison so great that he had um, another success like this on, on a big day well on a Saturday anyway so yeah it, great that a horse like this can line up in a, in a race like the champion hurdle and, and perhaps has, has an each way chance. That's it. He does have an each way chance in a pretty yeah. open champion hurdle. I mean, look, obviously there is the queen of the national hunt racing right now. Um, not just Rachel, but also a honeysuckle. Like the two of them are going to take the world to beating and yeah, good luck trying to do that. Appreciated. We haven't even seen yet. 
Uh, is he going to the Dublin Racing Festival? Apparently he is. And he's second favourite for the champion hurdle there. So he'll run in the Irish champion hurdle, presumably, against Tony Suckle. That'll tell us something. Um, but it's a very open renewal of, of the race, favourite aside. So Anne Hamilton has a realistic chance of having a horse placed in the champion hurdle, Melissa. Yeah, I mean, why not Why not go for it? I mean, after his um, hauler wins this season, he's, he really has progressed through the ranks, hasn't he? And on Saturday, won in a time that was, I think it's around six seconds quicker than John Bond's performance, obviously, due to the early pace as well. Um, but he, he has a rating that's sort of in the range of sort of around Epitant's rating um, at this stage. And obviously, she was third last year, so... Um, you know, if you if you like a horse at a decent price, you can make a case for him. Uh, the only issue is really um, he's done most of his running around and winning on flatter tracks, and of course you're taking it on trust. He'll act around Cheltenham. He finished third at Carlisle in October. Uh, that was over two and a half, so obviously not the same trip, but um, that clearly wasn't his his best form. So. Yeah, you'd have to you'd have to take it on trust that he would handle the the stiffer track. But as Lucy says, it's a it's a great little story for connections. I think they've only got five horses on on the in their stables. So, um, but terrific record. The strike rate's tremendous, and um, I think from memory it was something ridiculous, like. I don't know, forty percent or something. So, um, you know, what 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 a feat for a, a you know a team of uh, the the couple. You know, the team of pensioners there at uh, at their Northumberland stable. It's a, it's a great story, and um, every down to earth National Hunt fan will be hoping that he does go there and he does run well. Hundred percent, he will be getting uh, cheered on left, right, and centre, and you know, even after. The champion hurdle, if that doesn't quite work out to plan, there's the Scottish champion hurdle and plenty of other prizes that you know don't tend to be as deep, so we'll see. But no reason to think that his winning run will come to an end. Um, it might at Cheltenham, but it could easily resume it there. Uh, Bruno Storm, Paul Ferguson, I think, wasn't there, but Paul is heavily involved in the planning of the owner's horses, um, Mrs. Barbara Hester so would have been advising about this race. And, of course, it happens to be the Weatherby's Cheltenham Festival betting guide hurdle, which is a nice coincidence as well. Good man, Paul. Uh, so nice prize money, 52K. Beats Daverstar with Goshen. Oh, dear. Back in third. Uh, Melissa, how impressed were you with Bruno Storm? Small field, classy enough uh, in the sense that Daverstar, if you go back far enough, and Goshen as well, Really, I thought if Bruno Storm stood up, he'd win. And that's exactly what happened. He did what he had to, didn't he, in the end? But it, to be fair, it didn't really look likely um, until sort of Aidan Coleman got that, conjured up a late run from him. Um, so Darva Star had, had hit the front and Goshen, see Jamie Moore's had a torrid time on him, unfortunately, hasn't he? And he came in, being interviewed and was obviously very frustrated with uh, with the effort from from Gosh and he's he's got a lot of talent but yeah by gosh he um he does he does make people a jockey sort of work for the fee you know he uh, he has a think about it and they were saying that he might wear blinkers next time so um 
we shall see the jury's out on on him unfortunately but no it was it was heartwarming to see Bruno Storm come back and and win obviously after his heavy Cheltenham fall and he's a classy operator on, on his day isn't he and um you know, he was entitled to win that race on, on form um, or on official ratings, star for star sort of. Um, he was getting the six pounds, wasn't he? So he, if, you know, theoretically he'd have the better chance. But Bruno Storm, apart from his slight jumping blemishes, he's a very consistent horse. And, um, you know, he wins, he has his turn with his winning of races. So, yeah, it's another good good win for him. And, um, yeah, just short of top class, isn't he? But, um but yeah, the, he wins plenty for, for connections. And Devastar had switched from chasing back to hurdles at Punchestown. Obviously, it was a much lesser race. Um, but still, uh, it was a hurdle in which he was six to one. Silas Emery was two to five, and he bolted up. Absolutely bolted up. So he was a player. And uh, as you said, Bruno Storm had to really work for it. Um, Goshen we should talk about in a little bit, but um, as for Bruno Pastorm, straight to Aintree now for him, Lucy. Yeah, I'm pleased. I'm pleased for Ollie Murphy because A, to get the horse back um, from that really heavy fall last time out, um, and B, I think this is a horse, he just, I saw him at Cheltenham, I was there on New Year's Day, he just looks tremendous in his coat. Um, re- really, you know, just looks really well in himself. Um, yeah, so I'm delighted to Ollie, for Ollie Murphy to get this horse back. I thought he had every chance um, on New Year's Day at Cheltenham and looked like he had the race at his mercy. So um, to get him back from that heavy fall was great. I thought this race at Lingfield, um, the three of them were very, very close at the finish, weren't they? So every every horse had a chance. Obviously, Goshen's so frustrating. But um, yeah, let's talk about the winner because brewing up a storm um, uh, under Aidan Coleman was a, a great ride from him as well. And um, this is a horse who, in the past, they've tried chasing with him as well. I don't think that worked out. So uh, another reason why Ollie Murphy's done really well to get this horse back to winning over hurdles. Because um, he, he, he's a talented horse, you know. So, uh, yeah, I'm pleased. And as you said, uh, Davisar back in second, Gavin Cromwell, he's he's also taken that horse over, over fences as well. So great to see these three. They, they had every chance in, in the home straight. Um, and it was only just, just towards the line that you could name your winner. So... I thought it was a good race and a, a good performance from from uh, brewing up a storm and, and his connections. Gary Moore said after the race, he just doesn't go left-handed, referring to Goshen, does he? I think it might no, be. Uh, I think it might be more than that, quite frankly. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, I think you should all go. If if anybody um, should do one thing, is go and watch that interview with um, on ITV that Jamie Moore did after after the race because he was so frustrated. Um, and it, I just think it just summarises horse racing because it doesn't always go well. And um, he was speaking to Matt Chapman after the race, and oh, that was just, war, that was bad enough in itself. Jesus Christ! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, go and watch it because it's um, it just brings you back down to earth, really, and and just see how frustrated they are with Goshen because he's got all the talent in the world, hasn't he? Um, but yeah, just needs to get needs to get him right, and then nobody's sure. <laughs> how or, or what they can do so it's frightening um, to, to think it's only two years ago that he was on the brink of winning the triumph and just has that bizarre I mean it was just it's an accident that's all it is it's just a freak accident it's not Jamie's yeah, fault I mean, it's, it's no one's fault it's just one of those bizarre things in racing that, that happened and he hasn't been the same since 
I was going to say yesterday, uh, Jamie Moore was in that interview as Lucy, Lucy mentioned that, um, Jamie was obviously saying he was took him all the strength to sort of get him round the bends in the race. And, um, as Matt was saying, uh, Jamie's like one of the, the strongest jockeys in the way. You know, he puts a lot of effort, time and effort into his fitness and, you know, having the, that just shows, doesn't it? The power of the thoroughbred, if they're a little bit quirky and, you know, they, they sort of turn up in the, in, not in the right frame of mind for their race, then, um, you know, you, there's only so much you can do about it as a jockey. Mm. But what? Yeah, he's done. He's done marvelous, hasn't he, to get him to finish? Um, I know he, he he's been beaten, but the fact that he's actually got him to finish that close at the line—that's it, it. Yeah, he's only beaten the length and a quarter in the end. Um, and he said it, he thought he had got a winning. To be fair, and um, you know, like I said, it was very close, wasn't it? And. But yeah, I mean, it absolutely zapped from energy, the energy point of view after riding him around there. It's, uh, <laughs> I bet he had a long rest after that. Oh, yeah. It's the equivalent yeah. for us of being on a bucking Bronco, I should imagine. Um, <laughs> and look, it is worth pointing out that a year ago he did beat Song for Someone by 22 lengths, who had previously beaten him just on the last, the previous start by 29 lengths. So there, he's capable of winning. It's just that. It seems as though every single thing has to fall right. He has to be going right-handed, possibly up and trip now. They're talking about two mile four, but they've done that. They they took him to Ascot and tried going up and trip. So he's gone up to two mile three and a half. That hasn't worked. So now he's talking about going up further. So right-handed and further up and trip. Where the hell is yeah, that? Is it- it's difficult, isn't it? You know, sort of, it's hard to know what to do with him, really. It's sort of trying to convince him to to put his best foot forward and, and apply himself with his, you know, that, that he should, the races he should be winning with his ability. But, um, yeah, it's a hard one. I mean, what do you do? Do you put the headgear on? Do you up him in trip? It's a, it's a conundrum, isn't it? You you know, just trying to eke out that little bit more from him and, and get him to put it all in on the day and, and finally sort of, get connections the prizes they deserve but um but yeah I, i'm sure he gives gary more a few headaches that's for certain oh 100 yeah. percent. um i'd geld him again i'd geld him a second <laughs> time <laughs> it's, it's just uh i'm i'm really disappointed for them because gary moore is a very likable trainer and jamie moore is a very likable jockey and you can understand how a horse can struggle in their five-year-old year but when they come to six, then you like to think, oh, now they'll they'll have developed and they'll be able to compete. And he did compete. He's gotten close to Bruno up a storm, who's going to be a big player in the entry hurdle. So it's just a matter of getting him right. But God, he um, he asks an awful lot of of connections and uh, the fans who have been following him since that triumph hurdle defeat. Oh dearie me, oh dear. Uh, Molly Ollie's wishes ends up being a very very good winner, um, ridden out to go and win the Maris Hurdle, the Grade Two Two Twenty at Ascot, just from my sister Sarah, who was finishing like a train. Uh, she must have been five lengths down at the last, Lucy. Mm. Yeah, she's she's good, isn't she? This mare. I mean, I saw her win at Weatherby, and I, I was really taken with her performance. And then slightly di- disappointed um, at Ascot last time out, but it was she was racing against the boys, and she had you know 
the horses that were in behind her that day were a pretty tough opposition. So this time around, back in Mare's company, um, yeah, and she went off the favourite, didn't she? But as you said, she, yeah, she was shaken up, wasn't she, um, from uh, by Harry Skelton, um, just, you know, coming into the home straight. And she had all the running to make up, but I think with her long stride, I was always confident somehow she was she was going to get there. And um, and she did, and she's she's a really likable mare. I think she's, as I said, she's got a really big long stride, um, and she jumps well as well. So you you've got good things there on, on your side. And I think Harry Skelton, um, perhaps he knew that he had that much underneath him um, coming into the home straight because yeah, probably did get a few people worried. But I mean, I, I wasn't too worried. I think um, as I said, back in this this um, mare's company, she um, had everything going for her. And um, yeah, she's she's a smart mare. Yeah, we were all over on Talksport too, to be fair, and mm. uh, on on Friday. So when my sister Sarah started to steamroll at her, Melissa was like, Ooh! "It was uh, dramatic stuff." The popcorn was going everywhere, but it was a, a terrific finish from both mares, to be fair. Um, but uh, another terrific one for Dan and Harry Skelton. Mm, that's a feather in the cap for for Dan Skelton, who's sort of play, planned that race a, a long time and it was a long time in the making wasn't it for her to run at the in that race and at the, the Royal Venue and um, the race was a, a dour test of stamina with Western Victory taking usual uh, pacemaking duties and Molly's Ollie's wishes was placed in the perfect position during the race wasn't she just, just the fact that my sister Sarah sort of found her stride late on I mean, she, she didn't really look like she was going to get there but Molly's Ollie's wishes had put her heart and soul into the performance and um, you know she was, had every right to get a bit tired in, in the closing stages and um, yeah the, the Skeletons had a great day didn't they and on Saturday and landing the treble there and with a, with a well executed plan with, with this mare so uh, yeah good to see and good team effort for the Skelton brothers Love it when a plan comes together Right topics uh, Donald McCain has been in the doldrums for a little bit, but not this season. And he's the first trainer in the UK to hit 100 winners this season. He's also had his first grade two winner for 12 months on Saturday. And if you had asked me that beforehand, I'd be like, wait, what? Um, So that was uh, the opening race at Haydock with Manila Drama uh, winning the grade two novices chase. Um, it's just great to see a good guy and uh, a big stable bounce back because he's lost some big owners, he's lost some big horses, but slowly but surely he's rebuilt Melissa and here he is having a terrific season. Yeah, no, great to see Donald McCain doing so well and uh, that the race that, that brought the, the milestone up was a thrilling finish, wasn't it? The, the three horses going head-to-head at, at the finish. <laughs> you know, you you could think I, any any of them could could win going up that run in. It I still was, think any of them could win. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a cracking finish and yeah, great great one for for punters to enjoy. Obviously, not if you you've just been narrowly defeated, but um, from a without punting aside, from a spectacle point of view, it was a, it was a great race and yeah, McCain Donald McCain. He's obviously had his ups and downs, unfortunately, with losing the the Rooney horses at 2015, which. You know, at the time, it was a hammer blow to, to his operation, wasn't it? And, you know, he's really rebuilt from that 
setback and great to see you know the numbers of horses coming through and also you know the strike rate him and Brian Hughes a formidable partnership in the north and you know sending out winners right left and center and that they've really got their their horses are clearly very well and in form and and yeah every in every race you know you're pretty much thinking they, they're gonna you know be right up there and and, and perform to the best of their ability so all credit to, to Donald McCain I mean you know Willie Mullins in Ireland he's obviously had similar hasn't he with you know setbacks and he he's shown he's come back and Donald's done it in his fashion in the UK so all credit to him and his team for keeping the horses in great form and and getting that landmark win. Yeah, I think Henry de Bromahead might be a better comparison in Ireland because like, when he <laughs> lost the horses that that he did um Many would have seen that the the pots horses. Many would have seen that as just well. That's the end. Then, how do you bounce yeah. back from that? Because it's not just the horses that you had; it's the horses that were going to come through, and the other that's horses that were going to be bought. Mm-hmm. Uh, and side of things as well, isn't it? You know, training horses from an outsider's point of view, people who don't necessarily follow the sports think it's all a, a glamorous thing, you know, racing and everything. But you know, day in day out, it's a, it's a hard job and you know, when you when you have a setback like that, it's not not easy to to come back from in such quantity. You know, yeah. And he he's shown that you know in his droves that he can train winner after winner this season, and um, you know, it's great to see. And obviously, got a good band of owners there who who are supporting him. And then you know, getting the young stock coming through, he's got a lot of nice young horses now. And um, yeah, good for good for UK racing to to see his success. Hundred percent, and in some ways, Lucy, while it's an absolute hammer blow to lose a big owner like the Rooneys, or in Henry de Bromhead's case, to lose uh, the Pots, particularly when you've had success for them, it can also be mm. freeing, particularly if that. And I'm not suggesting it. I can say it of the Pots, but not of the Rooneys. If a one owner in particular is quite controlling. And they want all the best horses and they want this done and they want that done and it's all about them. Suddenly you're rebuilding and you're able to go and talk to other people and you're freer to go and attract people. Racing people are intelligent. They'll, they'll, if they see a, a class act like Henry de Bromhead has empty stables, they'll go putting horses with him. Let's, let's take advantage of that. And the same with Donald McCain. And it's taken a while for Donald, but he's got there. But Henry de Bromhead rebuilt in spectacular fashion to the point that he had, he achieved something that no one ever achieved before. Winning a champion hurdle, a gold cup and a grand national in the same season. Throw in the Queen Mother champion chase as well. Like the, the first ones that I mentioned had never been done before, but to win the champion chase as well and be on the brink of being Cheltenham champion trainer, which really Willie Mullins should be given that trophy to him. I mean, that was just cruel. Um, I, I don't, I don't even Willie wanted that trophy that year. But it's it's great for Donald, and it's he's a very different trainer to his father as well. They mm. both obviously won Grand Nationals. Um, Ginger clearly had a, a better record in it, but Donald approaches the game differently to his dad. Yeah. Fantastic. I'm pleased we're talking about it, Emmett, because I think more people should be talking about um, Donald McCain, you know, becoming the first trainer in the UK to reach 100 winners. 
um, this season. So often it's Paul Nichols or other champion trainers over here in the UK. So yeah, for Donald to um, to do that is is a real big feat, and I'm pleased we're talking about it. Yeah, um, as you say, perhaps other doors have opened um, for more horses in his yard. Um, seemingly, it looks that way because to me, he's having more more runners, and and that's then leading to more winners. So fantastic! I think, um, yeah, the 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 winner that he had at Haydock at, at the weekend, Manila Drama in the Grade Two, was was superb. And I think if you if you look at his runners on Saturday, he had three runners all in those grade two races at Haydock which was um, fantastic and a few years ago he, he wouldn't have had horses of that caliber to to run in those sorts of races so I think it, it can only go one way from here I think um, great for Donald that he's on this he's he's on this uh, winning run and, and so is Brian Hughes and it's propelling Brian Hughes to um, to look like he's going to retain his uh, jockey's championship as well and um, yeah they had they had one they had one um, runner, didn't they, at the weekend at Warwick, I think yesterday, and one winner. So, yeah. superb. I'm really pleased. Yeah, pleased for the North as well. And we let that horse go off at 7-2. Oh, what the yeah. hell were we thinking? What were we thinking, folks? Um, King of the North, Donald McCain. Well done. Darker story. Uh <sighs> I kind of thought he wasn't going to do this. Anyway, Robbie Dunn has submitted an appeal against his 18-month ban for bullying and harassing fellow jockey Brownie Frost. Uh, Not only has he done that, but he's also bolstered his legal team, which includes a barrister who I believe wrote into the Racing Post labelling the entire investigation and the entire process as chaotic and incompetent. Yeah, well, well done, Robin Matthew. You managed to get your client. Uh, fair play, because clearly that was an advert for your for your services. Uh, dismayed by the treatment of Robbie Dunn, the process of the investigation that he was subjected to appears to have been chaotic and incompetent. He went on to say that um, the three-person disciplinary panel who adjudicated the hearing had cursory, if any, experience or involvement in horse racing, let alone experience of the jockeys changing weighing room or riding in a race. But as our good friend Graham Cunningham replied on Twitter, pretty sure you don't have a whole lot of knowledge of uh, homophobic murder or um, rape, but you wouldn't have any problem defending it in a court of law, which was a brilliant tweet, uh, which I've paraphrased from, from him. Um, Melissa, this then gets dragged out even further. So what what are we expecting here? A complete retrial, a complete restart? Uh, in which case, does Bryony herself have to be brought back into this and have to testify again? Yeah, it's hard one to, to figure out, isn't it? I mean, um, you with the sort of appeal extension that, that Robbie Dunn had, you did think that perhaps a, an appeal was forthcoming. Um, obviously, it's um, not a... Uh, easy case to defend or argue for Robbie is it in terms of trying to get the ban reduced or or what have you and and uh, change make changes after after the result has been has come through um I mean you only have to look really at the the conclusion of the report to, in the findings that came out uh, a little time after the decision was made to ban Robbie Dunn and um they 
to, to quote it, they were saying that they were not troubled by any borderline decision on either guilt or sanction. And the threshold in the rule that um, rule J19, which was covered in the case um, so comprehensively, uh, yeah, rule J19 is plainly crossed and the, the it called for a penalty of some potency. Potency. So, can't get my words out today. <laughs> so, um, you know, this is, well, that's that's clear, isn't it, in, in, in my view. And how this is going to pan out, I mean, it'd be, it'd be very tricky to, um, you know, get, get a reduction or what have you on, on the ban or change. I mean, it seems, yeah, it seems crazy really, but I mean, we'll just have to sit it all out and, and see how, how it goes. But I mean, a lot of people, are, and I'm sure Brian, you know, in a serious, it's a serious case, you know, you, you just want to put the case to bed and, and have, have an end to it, don't you? But now it's, it's back and and we shall see what happens and in the weeks and months ahead and yeah it's just um yeah this is a sad case for for racing but um yeah they'll will be ready for 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 the next round of it um bearing in mind that the first hearing obviously you know the the initial hearing was went ran into to quite a few days didn't it so yeah a lot of um time will be going into this as well well, that was one of the things that was said was they couldn't believe, who was it? Was it a member of the legal team said it or someone from the PGA who really shot themselves in the foot on more than one occasion on this one um, said they couldn't believe how long the case went on for. I couldn't believe how quick the case was over. This was a legal <laughs> case. It was over in days. Wasn't there? And, you know, that the actual documentation for a start was hundred odd pages wasn't it and you know mammoth amount of information there so yeah a lot to get through and there'll be a lot to to go through in the in the appeal process yeah um and and lucy the, the whole thing about the appeal process like it's all very well and good for this barrister who had written into the racing post saying that this was a a farce from day one blah 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 um you read the determination that 11,500 worded uh, document which actually completely sums up everything which to be fair in that they did walk back their terms of rancid weighing room culture and they the three person panel really kind of came to the conclusion that that's more for the BHA and for the jockeys themselves to sort out than, than for them to comment on they did walk that back this is not directly after the hearing, this is um, more recently when they were dishing out the, the proper punishment to Robbie Dunn. Um, but they made it clear that they didn't believe a single word that he said, and they also said that he was uh, very deliberate in how he um, hammered uh, Bryony that it was a sustained campaign of abuse over a period of seven months in the workplace, in person, and online. And they also said that they didn't buy any of his sincerities. That They didn't think that he was uh, sincere in any way. They didn't think that he was in any way remorseful, that he didn't show one ounce of remorse. So how do you then 
have another case. Because if they've if he's bolsters his legal team, guess what? The BHA are going to do the exact same thing. So how does he come out of this with his license handed back to him and oh yeah, you're back into the weighing room and on you go to compete with Briny? I don't see how it how it turns around. Maybe it will. Maybe he will turn it around. But he's got one hell of a job in his hand. And he's gonna need these this top legal team to turn it around for him. Because if they don't it's going to cost him an absolute fortune and for nothing. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I don't see that happening entirely, but whether the length of his ban will get reduced, um, because let's remember that he's banned from December 2021, isn't he, to, I'm just looking now, March 2023, which is a hefty ban. So the only thing I could think of is if his, um, yeah, if his team find anything or if um, this case um gets revoked then perhaps his ban will get reduced that's all i can think of but um as you say yeah it's it's i think the thing is because he's got a ban he has um a right to appeal i presume like anything in life if you're if you're banned for something you have every right to re- appeal whether it's going to be successful or not is a, is another matter so it's just sad again, isn't it, that it's it's going on even longer. But I, I, I do agree with what you said, Emmett, in um in the fact that the case took so long. Well, yeah, because there's a, a lot of information, a lot of evidence, as you said, documents. Um, in any case, um, you know, the witness the testimony. That, yeah, that have to pull everything together. It does take time, doesn't it? So I think, yeah, it's a bit unfair to say that it, it was dragged on that long, but I, I think I think anybody would expect um, a legal case to go on that long, to be honest. But yeah, it's just um, I think what's key here is the length. The length of his ban is 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 very long, isn't it? So um, perhaps if if anything comes out of it, perhaps it'll get reduced. But remains to be seen, I suppose. Mm. I wonder, can they just go with what Briny had said in the previous ones, or does she get dragged back into it? Because you could very easily spin this. You could very easily spin the narrative on this. This is just another way of getting at Briny. I'm not saying that's what he's doing, because as you, as you pointed out, Lucy, anyone, well, most people are entitled to appeal. And the door of uh, appeal was open to him. And it was even extended for him. But I can see... I can see how tabloids would twist it and twist the narrative that oh, this is another way of getting her. So we'll have to yeah. see how the whole thing plays out. Anyway, it's going to be... What are we going to do? We're going to do a whole feature. Robbie Dunwatch. Just, like, do features on this every bloody week. Jesus Christ. Uh, Hugo Palmer's in talks to move his string and become Michael Owen's new trainer at Manor Farm. Still no idea on where Tom Daskam is going. And Tom Daskam, of course, not at all impressed with how this was handled. Uh, but if Hugo Palmer was to move there to Manor Farm, Lucy, that would be huge. Yeah. Yeah, huge. I mean, um, presumably, obviously, this is going to take a while as well because not only has Hugo Palmer got horses in Newmarket, um, whether they are f- find a trainer for his yard down there and then he takes over the reins at... Um, the uh, Michael Owen um, yard, then that remains to be seen. But yeah, I think 
like you say, it would be big for Hugo Palmer, wouldn't it? I mean, he, he's had a good season last season, hasn't he? He had um, plenty of two-year-old winners, um, you know, that, that went over to Del Mar as well. So he's um, had a pretty good season last year with 54 winners, but this perhaps would um, propel him to even bigger and better things, you, you'd have thought, um, with somebody like Michael Owen behind you. And it's a shame that... Um, Michael Owen and Tom Deskin have gone their separate ways because they, they were um, a partnership that lasted over 10 years. So it's a shame that, um, yeah, it's ended, but perhaps Michael Owen feels um, they need some fresh fresh blood in the in the training um, system. So, yeah, it would be good for Hugo Palmer, wouldn't it? So it remains to be seen, but I, I'd expect it would be um, a while because obviously you'd have to think about what the horses. Um, where in Newmarket, where they go, or whether they would um, remain under his license. Yeah, my understanding is that they they do remain under his license, or at least that's the thinking. Of course, the question then becomes, Melissa, if you've got owners who are based in Newmarket, are they going to be happy to see the horses moved to Michael Owen's yard, um, or do they want their horses to stay locally based at Newmarket? Do they want them? Do they want them there? Uh, sometimes when horses change scenery, it takes them a while, even with, though they're with the same trainer, it takes them a while to settle. We've Emma Lavelle took a while to, to settle into her new yard. Uh, there's been countless examples of that, but um, it would be a huge move for Hugo Palmer and for Michael Owen. I think from Michael Owen's perspective, he would probably argue he gave Tom Daskam 10 years. The... You know, it was time to move on. The argument would be, you could have done it in a better way, mate. Yeah, it was a shame to see sort of how the relations sort of petered out a little bit, wasn't it, between between them all? Um, I think, from a training point of view, I think, well, the majority of owners um, would be okay with the move in terms of see, you know, the link up if it is confirmed with with Michael Owen. It's quite a prestigious one isn't it and as Tom Dascombe's proved can make it a real success of of training horses there um I mean you do have to look at, at certain trainers in terms of moves like you said sometimes it does take a little while to to settle into to new premises I mean one case in point this season's over jumps is Sam Thomas um he early on in his training career obviously had a little bit of a, a staggered start to it didn't he and then he's had a couple of moves and now uh, really sort of operating well at his current Welsh base and having a, a season to remember. So, yeah, it does take a little time sometimes to to get your horses in, in, in peak condition and finding out the, the ideal training routine for, for that area. And see Newmarket's very different to to Cheshire where um, if Hugo does take up the, the, the residency there, it's, it's, it's different, isn't it? So, um, but yeah, I'm sure... If it does come off, it'd be something he'd be very excited about. Um, I mean, in terms of numbers of, of winners uh, from last year, particularly uh, Hugo Palmer and Tom Daskam are, are similar for the number of, win- number of winners they've had. Um, Daskam sixty to to Hugo Palmer's fifty four. So, yeah, similar in terms of number of winners that they can produce. Um, so you'd expect that uh, you know may his his size of operation might suit the, the the move and the new premises but uh only time will tell and uh we wait to see whether uh it is it is confirmed and and you know the, the next um, ball is kicked so to speak yeah we should point out that for now it's 
all speculation. But still, if it comes off, it'll be very, very interesting. Um, we talked about the novices for Cheltenham already, so our final topic then is that we have entries for the novice races at Cheltenham, but there is something that stands out, which is that British entries are down, starkly down, uh, compared to Irish. So, Melissa, is this because of a lack of horses? Is it a lack of ambition from certain trainers and certain owners? Or is it just that fear or a case of being fed up of being battered by the Irish year in, year out, that there aren't as many British novices at Cheltenham as we would normally see? I think it's probably the, the sort of lack of horses aspect in terms of you look at the, the runner sizes, the, the field sizes in this country and, you know, you, you're getting three, four, six runners in, in in the races, aren't you? Whereas you look at Ireland and you've got um, horse in novice company, um, Sir Gerhard, here we go. Winning his first race over hurdles with, you know, against plenty of plenty of rivals. So yeah, there is that difference, isn't there? And and um I mean the Supreme Novices are part, of course, with John Bonn and Constitution Hill. But I mean you look at the Arkle, Fernie Hollow, he's an absolute well, A one banker in, in my eyes, one of he'd rate right towards the top of my list. And see the Brown Advisory, um, Gallop under Champ, you know, this is on the novice chasers front. And then Run Wild Fred in the in the National Hunt Chase, so that you know, that's just a that's just three of them. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, I just don't think we do have quite the quality to match up with the Irish. Um, not for for one to try, and I suppose you know, finding the the stock and that. But um, after such a dominant performance last year, you know, it's going to be tricky for for us to make great inroads. I think again at the Cheltenham Festival but um, but yeah we'll wait and see how, how it pans out hopefully it won't be quite quite as low as last year because um, you know you're, the Irish should all be laughing and having your own way and be delighted with your <laughs> hopefully not a record haul but um, but no there's definitely a lot of quality coming from Ireland as, as ever isn't there and we've got our work cut out to um, to keep tabs this, these things come in waves alright there's, it's only a matter of time before the British are back spanking Ireland at Cheltenham. But for now, as you know, as part of the Brexit agreement, Cheltenham is Ireland. It's Irish. It's Irish territory. And uh, we own it and we crush every single year. Yeah. Uh, it's ridiculous. It's just insane how it's been going. Um, did you say Fernie Hollow is... Stone Cold, solid moral, five star, bridal job with bells on banker. Yeah, I absolutely love him. I think he's tremendous, and um, like his chasing debut, the way he—he's just got so much natural ability, and the way he, on his chasing debut, he quickened into that. He looked in trouble, didn't he? And mm-hmm. the way he—he he was clearly rusty after his break, and the way they took the final fence at pace, flew it, and then put the race to bed. It was—it was exceptional. It was really good, and. Um, especially last time as well, coming up against a horse that had won a fair few races over fences, given all that weight. That was great as well. And yeah, I'm absolutely buzzing to to see him at, at Cheltenham. I, I can't wait. And um, 
yeah, fill your boots right towards the top of the list. <laughs> all right, all right, I like it. I also love the fact that you mentioned Galopin de Champ. There's just one problem. You mentioned the wrong race. Did I? Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. You could be right. You could be right. Maybe he does go for whatever it's called these days. Um, but I think he's going to go. The Brown Advisory. Of course it's the Brown Advisory. If in doubt, just say Brown Advisory. It's the Brown <laughs> Advisory Champion Hurdle. It's the Brown Advisory cham- Champion Bumper. Weatherby's Champion Bumper. Um, he may very well end up going for the old RSA slash Brown Advisory Novices Chase. I think he'll end up going for the old Brown Advisory now Turner's Novices Chase. And he's been well back to do so in recent weeks. Come on! Ooh, 16 to 1. Oh, you beauty. Uh, Lucy, mm. reduction of uh, British entries for Cheltenham in the novice department. Is this uh, a lack of ambition, a fear of the Irish, lack of horses? What's your take, take on it? Well, yeah, I think it's more with the novice hurdlers, if, you, if you're looking at that, in terms of Irish entries, like the Ballymore, Albert Bartlett, those sorts of races are the races that get um, so many more Irish entries, don't they? Um, there's, a, I think, there's a few things. I think the fact that we have so much racing here in the UK um, means that the horses are just stretched further. I think if you look at Irish racing, if you watch Irish racing every day, they have um, less racing, so then you get bigger fields, don't you? Mm-hmm. Um, the horse and arguably, well, it's better for everyone. Better better for the punters, better for people watching. You have more runners. Um, perhaps the horses are better campaigns. I, I don't know. I think our horses over here are just so far stretched. Um, we have more racing, smaller fields, um, possibly um, not, uh, possibly less quality of horses as well. I don't know. Um, I think if you're, looking, if you're watching, say, Sedgefield or something, you're watching Class 4, Heard around Sedgefield, those horses probably are, are not as good as the horses that you might be watching in Ireland over hurdles. So, yeah, it, it's, um, I think it's the catalogue of a few things. But if you're looking at the races like the Albert Bartlett, I mean, I think the top, what, um, the top six are all Irish. Yeah. Um, fancy. And then you've got Paul Nichols, Stage Star, who, um, to me, looks a bit too classy for those sorts of races somehow. I know it's strange to say that, but the Irish, um, usually the winners of those sorts of races, like the Albert Bartlett um, and the, the other novice hurdle, big race at the Ballymore, they're just really tough and hardened, aren't they? And I think a horse like Paul Nichols' stage star looks to me a, a little bit too um, and too classy. I don't know. You need you need a tough you need a tough horse, but you need a talented horse as well. Um, and at the moment, the Irish obviously are very strong in, in the novice hurdle divisions and the, the big fields as well. So they do have a, a little bit of a hand against us, which is a shame. I think it's a, a catalogue of a few things, really. Yeah, I don't think it's a shame at all. But uh, <laughs> no, we want <laughs> we want proper competition between Britain and Ireland. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and we'll see. Uh, the thing is, a lot of these sources are going to meet at the Dublin Racing Festival. Um, appreciate it for example could switch to the stairs not completely bonkers if he gets battered by Honeysuckle um, I think is On Baton entered yeah, I quite quite like him actually he's not entered for the Dublin Racing Festival I want to see where he goes he won on New Year's Eve at Pontchestown just by the 21 lengths uh, for Danny Mullen so we'll, we'll see he's a 
a Chiefly Park horse, so keep an eye out for him. He's a massive, giant horse. Uh, seven years of age, but very few miles on the clock, and he could end up being uh, an RSA horse, but he'll need another run. But um, we shall see. Um, just a very quick line of sympathy, really, with um, Harry Durham, who wrote a beautiful, beautiful piece uh, about the bold, brave, and handsome master Tommy Tucker, who we lost over the weekend, and that was a, a real shame. Um, he was a real character of a horse. Uh, Harry's talked about him on the podcast before, and that's devastating for the arts. So um, it was lovely that Harry wrote that, and well done to him uh, for doing so. Um, in terms of your horse to take from the weekend going forward, maybe I should ask this with a view to Cheltenham. In fact, I will. Uh, Melissa, your first show, so you get first go. Um, who would it be? That's a tough one, Emma. <laughs> um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of candidates, isn't there? Uh, that as we've you know, discussed at length and, you know, enjoyed enjoyed going through the form there and um, and, and looking through, see the, the, you know, the, the cream of the crop with Alaho and Shishkin and Nergamine. Um, I mean, at the prices, as we briefly mentioned, Nergamine for the champion chase, he'd be of interest. Um, but I, I, as as we said, I, I do quite like Jerry Colom. Um, I like the way he races, and he does look that typical sort of Albert Bartlett horse who could really come into his own given that test uh, slightly behind the bridle, and um, you know needs a bit of cajoling along, and and that's often what that race needs. So from an anti-post point of view, when often picks are sort of thin on the ground, he'd be of interest at, at this stage from the weekend action, I'd say. And he is available at 10s for the potato race. Lucy? Yeah, I mean, it was great, wasn't it? John Bomb would be a, a standout and Shishkin standout performance. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think the skeleton horse as well, Molly Ollie's wishes. She, she, if she goes to Cheltenham for one of the mares races, she'd be a certainty, wouldn't she? I mean, she'd probably go off a very short price, but um, I was very impressed with the horse. We didn't mention the rule. Well, I love that horse. Finished third at Ascot. So if he goes to Cheltenham, watch watch out. But there's a bit of a rogue one for you. Ooh, interesting. Um, Give us that name again. Le Brule. I mean, he he won the amateur race at Cheltenham a few seasons ago. He did. Um, he's just been disappointing, but he's oh, he's one of my favourite horses. And they stuck blinkers on him last time. And it seemed to revive a bit of old spark. So you never know. Perhaps um, if he goes to one of the races at Cheltenham, but he's not entered. So anyway, um, yeah. I mean, I was just impressed with, uh, I think John Bond, perhaps. He, cause, just because he's not such an anti-post um, short price favourite. So John Bond for me to take from the weekend. Yeah, I'd be with you. I'd take John Bond forward. I mean, Alaho is an absolute stone cold solid moral for the Ryanair. Whoosh. Good night, good luck. Um, but I'd take John Bond, and I would agree with Melissa. I'd take an Ergamine. I can mm, see. Yeah. I, I can just see the I'll nature of, of Cheltenham, that old course, shorter distance as well. By the way, I can yeah. see that being a a different race and uh, and a different outcome. And it also may very well have been the case that Willie needed the run, needed the experience of the UK, needed the run, and who knows what is. And we know obviously background you know with Altior and, and surname that that race at, at Ascot so you know Shishkin's a completely different horse but 
see the similarities to Altior in, in, in some respects. Um, you know, it's his hardest race to date and we don't know how he's going to take it, do we? Whereas, I mean, looking at Energumin, he's um, a tough little cookie um, and you'd expect him to sort of bounce out of it. Um, so, yeah, we again, you'd, you're sort of taking that on trust, aren't you, if you're piling in at a short price um, for Shishkin for Cheltenham, um, that he he will bounce out of it and, and go on and they'll both be able to, you know, perform to the same sort of level. Um, so, yeah, that, that's something to bear in mind as well, I think. I agree with Melissa. He's been softened up. He's been softened up now for the big one. Here comes Energamine. Too much. Too much. With Shaq out making the running, picks it up, whooshing away. Uh, I can't wait. That's, that's, I think it's convinced ourselves there, aren't we? <laughs> just a little bit. We might be doing a slight little bit of an exaggeration there, but still, um, it's exciting. And uh, look, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Melissa, it's been a pleasure to have your company. Um, we can read your content with uh, Dave Yates of this podcast as well, of course, uh, in the mirror. But we can also uh, read your content where? Online. So um, mirror racing we are uh, online. And um, you'll see on Twitter as well. So, yep, feel free to uh, have a little perusal of uh, some of our articles and obviously top tips from the team. So, yep, always after a winner or two we are. At Philly on Form is Melissa Jones. And um, we can read your content, Lucy Russell Hughes, where... Well, I do I do a bit of writing, but not quite on the scale of Melissa. <laughs> um but yeah, I, I write for the Gazette and Herald, so that's like the northern paper. So I'll be sharing that on my uh, Twitter feed as well. The Queen of the North. Happy days. And uh, both of you, hopefully, will be back very, very soon. Uh, that was a big weekend to look back on. So hopefully we've covered everything in depth and some serious topics to go in there as well. Hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, we've got a number of podcasts that, sorry, I've been injured. And have you been injured? Uh, maybe there's an insurance company taking an ad on the show. I have no idea. So there's a stack of podcasts that all have to come out. And I think Spotify are just going to stagger release them. So they're all on their way. Lorna Fowler, Gay Killaway, um, How Young People Get Into Racing with Samantha Martin, which is really good. And um, a review of last weekend as well. So all of that to come and lots more specials as well including as we build up to the Cheltenham Festival uh, tote tend to follow window special as well and um, handicappers to watch out for bloodstock special plenty of extra content all coming your way hope you like it give us a five star rating on Spotify please thank you very much it would be much appreciated um, final front podcast army out in force Melissa Lucy a pleasure chatting to both of you about the best sport in the world hope you enjoyed the weekend hope you enjoyed the show and we'll talk to you very soon with the Final Furlong Podcast. Take care, be safe, God bless. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by All About Sunday, the ultimate racehorse ownership experience. Download the app and get involved today. All About Sunday, we love racing. And by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook, the market-leading messenger betting service, providing best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing, plus with the option of instant withdrawals. Visit KalukiSportsbook.com to sign up now.